Have you tasted and seen that the Lord is good? Now, I don't want to assume that everyone in here has grown up in a church and is used to that kind of language. So let me ask it in a different way. What is the Lord to you? Is he sweet? Does merely thinking of him make your heart glad? Do you delight in his law? Can you join with the psalmist David who says, you have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound? Or is he bitter to you? The thought of him doesn't bring comfort and joy, but it brings anxiety or anger. Maybe someone says, the Lord is good, and you feel your face begin to shrivel with disgust because he is bitter to you. What is your disposition towards God? Open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2, and we'll be looking at verses 1 through 3 this evening. As you turn there, I want to remind us of who 1 Peter was written to, the letter of 1 Peter. It was written to suffering Christians facing increasing persecution for their faith. If you have more questions about the historical context, one of our elders, Jeff Pruitt, taught from 1 Peter 1, chapter, or chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, where he goes into greater detail about the context. So if you'd like to hear more about that, you can find that in our podcast library. But it's important for us to remember as we read through our text tonight that again, these are suffering Christians that are enduring more, greater and greater extents of persecution. So let's read, starting in verse 1, chapter 2, verse 1. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. In our time tonight, I want us to reflect on one overarching point. Taste and see that the Lord is good, and you will never be the same. Again, taste and see that the Lord is good, and you will never be the same. In verse 1, Peter starts off by saying, So put away which means that he is building off of something he has said earlier. He is commanding them to do something because of or in light of something he has said earlier. So look back with me in chapter 1, starting in verse 22, and we will continue through our passage so we can understand the point Peter is making. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, Love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. 
and in our text in chapter 2. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. So Peter is saying, because you have been born again, because you are a new creation, because you have tasted and seen the goodness of God in Christ Jesus, put away these things. Don't wish evil on anyone. Don't deceive or lure people by baiting them with manipulative information. Don't pretend to be something you aren't like an actor in a play. Don't long for something that belongs to someone else. Don't tear down someone else's character. The words put aside in the Greek gives a picture of laying aside garments. So these are things that we are to remove from ourselves. When we read lists like these, it is easy for us to give excuses or reasons in our head for why it's okay or justified for us to have malice or envy or any of these things that Peter lists. And because we are tempted to do that, I want to remind us the context of this letter again. This letter was written to Christians under increasing persecution, unjust persecution. They are being blamed for the burning of Rome that Nero started because of his greed. And because of this wrongfully placed blame, Christians would later be killed. So put yourself in their shoes for a minute. You have been blamed for something you have not done, and because of that blame, you are afraid for your life. Then you read Peter's exhortation to put away all malice, all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Friends, someone else's sinful and evil actions never justifies our sinful and evil actions towards them. Because what Christ has done for us, we are to lay aside what is earthly in us. Now I want to remind us, uh, I wanted to remind us of the historical context to help us to apply this to our lives. Because Peter, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, exhorted them to put these things away, we have no cause to say we should do any different. However, I want to be clear, the reason to put these things away is because they have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. That's the reason we are to lay aside these things. But understanding the original context does help us understand just what he was exhorting them to do. Paul writes in Colossians, or yeah, Paul writes in Colossians starting in chapter 3, verse 1. If you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated, at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. 
Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passions, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and you have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. We were created in Christ for good works, to be zealous for good works. Being born again changes the way you think, feel, and treat other people. Even in the midst of suffering, but also because our new birth, we are too long for something else. Verse 2 says, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk. Now if you've looked at your cross-references, this picture of feeding on the word of God as milk can also be found in 1 Corinthians and in Hebrews. But in both of those texts, it is used more as a rebuke, which can make it a little confusing when you look them up. (laughs) So should we say that Peter is rebuking them and calling them babies that need milk, as Paul is in 1 Corinthians and the author of Hebrews does in Hebrews? No. Paul writes 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 2, which says, But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it, and even now you are not yet ready. And in Hebrews 5, verses 11 and 12, or 12, sorry, 12 and 13, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For anyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. We can see that in all of these verses used, milk as an example of the word of God that Christians take in and grow. But what makes 1 Peter different than 1 Corinthians and Hebrews is Peter is not using the statement for maturity. He's using it as an example of how a Christian should long for the word of God. So just as a newborn baby longs for milk, we as Christians should long for the word of God or the pure spiritual milk. We should be as dependent on the word of God as a newborn baby is dependent on his mother's milk. That's a convicting analogy, isn't it? How dependently we are to crave the word of God. Maybe you're in here tonight and you're like, I get what the text is saying. But I would have to confess, I don't feel that way right now. If that's you, I want to encourage you with two things. One, pray. Pray that you would behold wondrous things from his law. 
Pray that you, he would unite your heart to his statutes. Pray that you would delight in his statutes as all riches. Pray that you would not be slothful in zeal, but that you would be fervent in spirit and serve him. And second, read your Bible and meditate on the goodness of God. We are told in this text to long for the word, but we also see it is how we grow. And growing many times is our affections being lined up with God's word. So read your Bible. Peter goes on to say in the second half of verse two, that by it you may grow up into salvation. So we are to long for the pure spiritual milk and as we take it in, we grow. The more we are in the word, the more the Holy Spirit applies what we are reading and we grow. So Christian, you have a responsibility to be in the word so that you can grow in your sanctification. And I want to be clear here that Peter is not saying be in the word so you can be more saved today or tomorrow than you are today. That's not what he's saying at all. If you are in Christ, you can never be more saved from your sin than you are right now. There is no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Not less and less condemnation. There is no more condemnation. You are positionally in Christ. We don't grow to achieve something because he has already achieved it. But we do grow up by the grace of God into the likeness of our Savior more and more. Our Savior becomes sweeter and sweeter. Sin becomes more and more bitter. So we grow up into what we already are in him. And he will hold us fast until we see him face to face. In verse three, we continue. If indeed you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. If you are using a translation other than the ESV, it might say, since you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And I would actually agree with that interpretation more than the if needed, if indeed, the ESV uses. Peter is making a conditional statement, but he is assuming it to be true, according to the Greek word used there. So Peter isn't necessarily calling into question their salvation. He is bringing back to their minds the sweetness they have tasted in their salvation. It's like he's saying, you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, so let that drive you back to the pure spiritual milk to continue to taste and see that the Lord is good. But whether you go with if or since, the point Peter is making is that everything that has been said up till now in verses one and two are contingent on this reality, that they have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. So I want to ask you again, have you tasted and seen that the Lord is good?
If not, I urge you to taste and see that the Lord is good through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is while we were separated from God by our sin, God being rich in love sent his son to die in the place of those who would repent of their sin and believe in him and be saved. So friend, look to Christ. As we saw this morning with the parable of the tenants, someday God, the owner, is coming back. And as Blake said, if you are outside of Christ, there is an expiration to the grace you are experiencing right now. Friend, today is the day of salvation. Look to Jesus, repent, and be saved. If you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, I urge you to remember the kindness of God towards us in Christ Jesus as we partake of the bread in the Lord's Supper tonight. And as we partake of the cup, look around and remember the kindness he has shown to all his people. Let's pray. God, we praise you, the God of our salvation. You have been so good to us. Words cannot express how good you have been to us. And we ask that you would strengthen us so that we would not be conformed to the passions of our former ignorance, but that we would be holy in all our conduct as you are holy. Strengthen us to put away all malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander. Cause us to long for your word as we should, that we might grow up into our salvation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.